Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and our guest today is Amy Stewart. Amy is the number one best-selling author of three novels, Still Mine, Still Water, and Still Here. Shortlisted for the author Arthur Ellis Best First Novel Award and winner of the 2011 Writers Union of Canada Short Prose Competition, Amy is the founder of Writerscape, an online community for hopeful and emerging writers. Amy lives in Toronto with her husband and their three sons, and her new book is Death at, A Death at the Party. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Killer it's women. Great. I love it. <laughs> I know we are. We are killer women. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about A Death at the Party. Okay. So A Death at the Party, um, speaking of killer women, uh, starts very first page. We have uh, Nadine Walsh, who is the um, host of a big party she's throwing, um, but she's in her own basement standing over a dead body. And we don't know who is dead or why. Um, and then we rewind to that morning where she's at her sink in the kitchen getting ready to um, start her day of planning this big party or the final touches. Um, so we, as the reader, know <clears throat> that someone ends up dead at the party, but she doesn't know that yet. So we sort of follow her throughout her day as she interacts with her friends and family. And we understand the, the mysteries and, and um, struggles and conflicts in her life and how they could ultimately lead to someone's death. Murder. So, um, right. Yes. And I, I mean, it has so many wonderful elements because that sort of the whole frazzled, she's throwing a, a birthday party for her mother, who yeah, is a is, famous yeah. uh, writer. Author. And there's, <laughs> all right. And there's all that, like, you know, the day of party stuff that we've yes, all been through yes. where it's just like, yeah. so, so incredibly chaotic. Do you, can you tell us about this, like where the story came from? Do you remember what the seed yeah. was? Can you yes. share that? I love it. So the that. seed is, um, so Mrs. Dalloway, which is a 1920, I was looking it up yesterday. It's 1925 Virginia Woolf, kind of classic mm. novel. And it is the exact same premise. So it's it's set over the, it's a woman, Clarissa Dalloway, who's planning a party that's happening, a garden party that night. And she's in the final stages. So she, just like Nadine, she's in her kitchen, you know, ooh, I, I have to think about flowers and all that stuff in the morning. Um, so I always, when I, I always thought like, wouldn't it be fun you know, we see these now, like people will take classic novels, Jane, Jane Austen novels and, and try like a romantic modern twist on it. So yeah, what if you did yeah. that, but you did the killer twist. Yeah. So you took a, and actually um, PD James did that with, um, with Pride and Prejudice. She like death comes to Pemberton where she, you know, took a, a classic story and threw a murder in. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to sort of play with that. And so, I mean, A Death at the Party and Mrs. Dalloway are very different novels. Like this right, is a, right. clearly just a thriller, setup. but right, the, right. the super, the, the premise is, is pretty, um, pretty much a true homage. Like it, it's a woman over the course of a single day. And I think, um, you know, ultimately that, that sense of what women endure 
um, sometimes over a day or just in the in the wider scheme of things in terms of the the pressures on us to sort of keep it together. Yes. Um, that yeah. that is that is something that is very true in the in Mrs. Dalloway and, and definitely in this book too. Exactly. And all you know, and really it's like I'm not even sure her mother wants a party that this that mm -hmm. is this big, mm -hmm. right? It's sort of this mm -hmm. compulsion also mm -hmm. that we have to sort of like mm -hmm. outdo ourselves. ourselves or yep. Mm -hmm. put, and then we just, we build all this pressure onto ourselves and it's, it's insane making, which, you know, as we understand can, can lead to murder. One of the wonderful things about your story that I really appreciated was the mother daughter relationship. So mm -hmm. Nadine is a daughter, obviously her mother, but she's, she's also a mother. So she has mm -hmm. a, a son and a daughter. Mm -hmm. So, um, can you talk about sort of, you know, why, how that interests you and sort of your thoughts on how that fed the book? Yes. Well, I mean, I think um, mother-daughter dynamics in particular um, are, you know, can be wildly complicated, but also like fiercely loyal um, and, you know, can have the capacity to be all of those things at once. Like you can have fierce loyalty um, for somebody while also resenting them and being, you know, maybe even afraid of them or all these different aspects of the same relationship. Um, so I have two sisters and, and, my, and I'm still like very close with my mom, um, whose name is also Marilyn. So oh, I, I did name, I did name my, the mother character after my mom. That's um, good. That, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's risky. That can be risky, right? Yes. But I, but I, I mean, I think Marilyn is a, I think she's a pretty great character. Like if she, she was is. evil, I would not yeah. have done Yes, it. right. But right. she's because my mom is definitely not evil. But right. um, but I think like the the that the fierce loyalty and the way you can sort of get frustrated and and especially in the in this novel, like there Marilyn had Nadine when she was quite young. So as you get older, like the the relationship can morph into something almost sisterly. Yeah. Um because they're really, I think they're 20 years apart. Right. So, um, and then from, in terms of her as a mother, so I'm just um, entering, like my oldest uh, son is 15. Um, I have 15, 13 and 11. So wow. two teenagers now. And so I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how your relationship with your kids change as they become adults who are like I mean they're not adults at 15 but you know what I mean like where yeah. they they have a very distinct thought process from you and decision making yeah. and they they have very rich internal lives and external lives and most of their day is spent completely separate from you and actually yeah. you know when they're teens what can be distressing is how few touch points you can sometimes have with them I right mean, Sometimes I think like at seven o'clock, I'm like, oh my God, we haven't even spoken to each other today or, you know, aside yeah. from like, hello, hello, whatever. Um, so just tr as a parent, I mean, and you also get to the point where you're starting to navigate a part of a really, the, the, the era of your relationship with your kids that you, where you remember it. Like I remember being a teenager. Mm -hmm. And now I'm navigating that as a parent. And, and even though, you know, I'm in my forties, like being a teen doesn't feel like that long ago to me. Right. Right. So you're, so it's then crazy. you're like, huh. And then you're, and then you're thinking, okay, what's he doing? But what was I doing at that age? Right. Like, it's not like I was a saint and right. And especially, you know, because we like 
we didn't grow up with the same kind of surveillance options that like, I mean, we left, I left the house when I was 16 and like my parents had no way of reaching me until I right. called or showed up at home. So right. I just navigating that myself, like how do you cope with the fear and this sort of unease associated with your kids, like untethering from you. Yeah. And, and yeah. That, that sort of emerged, I think with, with um, Nadine, obviously there's, there's layers of complexity because it is a thriller. Can't just right. be like, Oh, my daughter's going to the, like, you know, the soda shop. It's like, no, no, no. There's actually really dark stuff going on. So, right. um, but, but that fear and, and, and just sort of constant, sense of unease that comes with your kids being out in the world and absolutely I mean I mean it's funny because you know it's also funny to be a parent and it's time when your children can track you like Nadine yeah. gets tracked right they send her yeah, off on an air kids are like what are you taking so long for it's like it's kind of you know it's a it's also a different and you forget dinner. you forget like like we do that in my family we, we have all have each other like tracked. yeah us too and yeah. then but what's what's wild is that you know you might say where are you? Oh, I'm almost home. And then you realize, well, that's not totally true. Right and now, they can track me. So right. I have to, you have to be careful. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, like a fib, right? You're not hurting right. anybody by saying, oh, I actually left my friend's house 20 minutes ago instead of, oh, I'm I'm putting my shoes on right now. Exactly. Like, harming exactly. anybody. No. But now you're like, oh, they can actually, they know. I'm right. Lying. I'm almost home means I'm I'm leaving wherever I am right now. That's totally exactly. what I'm almost home means, right? Exactly. Yes. That is so true. Well, it is. And I think you're I think you're absolutely right. It's just a different world. And it gets even my kids are now 23 and 21. And it gets right. even, you know, stranger because yeah. they are absolutely adults. They are, and we, you know, I still sort of like if I wake up in the middle of the night, I still like to see that they're in their homes. But um, but it is uh you know, I, well, I think that that's, I mean, <clears throat> looking at my, my mom, you know, she has three daughters. We're all in our forties now. Um, I don't think that she's like, I don't think, I mean, you, you detach and, right. and I think you develop trust, but I don't think it ever fully goes away mm -hmm. that, you know, you, if your kids are suffering through something or mm -hmm. having you an worry. experience yeah. that's you worry about them. And so, it is, it is that kind of realized, I mean, I think you think when you're in the throes of having babies, um, that things are just going to get easier and, and in a way they do, because mm -hmm. you don't have someone hanging off you all the time, but right. it's just a different kind of, of, um, it, you know, it, it sort of consumes you and it just right. in a different way. It's like little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Yes, that's right. right. That's so, right. and that is, uh. That can be so super terrifying, right? And yes. nowadays, I feel like there's so many ways for things to go totally wrong and get and be caught on film. So I know. <laughs> that's so well. And that's that that yeah that plays. You know, that's part of this. Um, you know, with no spoilers, but but there is that element here. Yeah. Um, you know, teenagers. I always say to my kids, like everything can anything that's being recorded or or tracked can come back to haunt you. So you have to be yes. very careful. Yes. Be very smart. Be much smarter. They have to be much smarter than we had to be. So yes. on page, um, okay, I like to tab little things I love in books. And on page um, 138, there's this great line. Um, this is her, she's her mother talking. Um, but the numbers on marriage just don't crunch. Oh, no. Did you know that statistically murdering someone is a far safer bet than marrying them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I love. Yeah. It's you like- know what that's what what's funny about that. So you know when you're when you're working on on a book and the way I, you know whatever your process is, the way you're building, um, and I find that I often will write little scenes that become sort of key to the characters and and that scene it shifted in terms of time and place and where it belonged in the story but that scene if she's kind of the mother is holding court it's a memory right so yeah means remembering a previous party where her mom is holding court at a dinner party so her mom never married has been sort of a you know single her whole life and but she's saying you know marriage statistically you're 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 better off killing somebody than you know marrying them because like you, your chances of getting caught for murder are lower than your chance of divorce and that is actually statistically true like those her crazy? numbers are very i think the odds are 50% that that in a murder that there will be an arrest of any kind and then from there only a 60% conviction rate so then mm-hmm. the total math is like 30% of of um, versus like 50 percent of marriages yeah, 40 or 50 percent of yeah. marriages so so she's sort of making a joke but the but the you know i tried in this book to have these moments of kind of lightness like where it's dark yeah. but it's kind yeah. of funny because everyone who's married at that party is like the joke yes. doesn't quite land right. they're all like yes. oh whoops yes. and then you know some people sort of get tense and right um so yeah that was that was an early an early scene for me especially in terms of really trying to sort out who Marilyn was that she's Mm -hmm. kind of this witty funny um never married like strong woman yeah yeah well it's I it's it's a really good one there's another one actually that I also really struck me um on page 129 I love that I'm always like I'm just my bibliography it tells me where they are um it's like uh, there's a the situation where um, they're talking about one of the characters who touched one of the one of the younger women, mm-hmm. and um, it says um, he closed his hand around my bare arm and sort of mm-hmm. rubbed my skin with his thumb. It wasn't a grope. My dad didn't even notice, but I remember the feeling. You know, girls just have that built-in sense, mm-hmm. like you can detect when a man is touching you, like you're, and it's um, it's that transition between being. Uh, an adolescent woman and being, you know, a woman, uh, yeah, an adult or even looking like an adult, right? Like you, oftentimes we look, our bodies develop ahead of, you know, our brains. And so there's this awkward tension between the, the world of men generally and how we feel, how adult the we women feel, right? Which I think is another sort of very re- real reality about being a teenage girl. Absolutely. I mean, I think even I can remember that Mm -hmm. Um, there's this one memory I have of walking down the street in Toronto with my best friend at the time. And we just gone to see um, Married to the Mob. So I'm going to age myself. (laughs) Right. I understand. Um, And and I think we were in grade the seventh grade or something. So we were like 13. Yeah. And we walked up this busy stretch of Young Street, which is kind of the main big main mm-hmm. drag road in Toronto. And um and over over the course of the six or seven blocks getting from the theater to back to her mom's house, we had so many like 
and like men passing us and just thinking like don't they know I'm 13 yeah and and then sort of in this very immature way trying to decipher like what's worse that they don't know I'm 13 that they think I'm older than I am or that they do like and they don't what are those two what mm-hmm. right what's worse that they that if you said to them she's 13 that they wouldn't stop what they were doing or that I look older than I am and and now like subject going to be subjected to this kind of treatment when I'm really not ready or equipped right for right it. it's so, so it's, what's uh, worse and you're just sort of like and then mixed in with that those two sort of fearful elements is this um you know you're 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 happy for the attention which right. which adds this whole other layer where you're like right. ooh you know they think they look we we look old and we're pretty mm-hmm. and and whatever you're thinking and and so even the the kind of dirty old man element which mm-hmm. is something the book touches on um y- you know you're willing to forgive it in a way that that um that that's really not good because we're we're taught you know at such an early age through society to want to be wanted right to want to look pretty to want to be that attention from other people is a is a key indicator as to whether or not we're you know we're successful if you will or yeah right valuable yeah, it's so, and, it and, is really And not only that, beyond that, and I think this is like truly a theme in this book, it's the idea that um, as women, and this starts when we're girls, there's the expectation of um, poise, right? That, yeah. And poise is a word that repeats so often in this book because mm-hmm. it's the idea that you're not supposed to lose your cool. It's it's right. not ladylike to right. raise your voice or right. even if your if your dad's friend touches you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, um, what would happen if you made a scene? Right. You know what I mean? You- would your dad, would your or would your family members get um mad at you if you say right. you know I don't want to go sit on that man's lap or I don't right. want it I don't like it when he touch it like I don't like right. that so there's there is an expectation that we um not upset mm-hmm. the apple card that we right. keep things and that starts really it, young it totally does and not only that like it's sort of like if you if you know you were to say something there a lot of times the reaction would be like oh you're you know you're just being silly like you're to the point of where like now you sound hysterical which is another word that always right. comes up for women right it's right it's i've never or paranoid I've never heard a man. or no paranoid hysterical and and one thing that I, I i felt i was really trying to play with in in a death at the party is the idea that you know i think that pushing like how, just how bad could things get and and you'd still be able to maintain your poise and and what's so interesting is that the women in my life would never question that you could have absolute chaos happening and that you would still maintain your poise and actually to use this this really sort of devastating example of that a few weeks ago was the anniversary of the challenger shuttle 
oh, um, yeah. explosion. So I, I guess it's 37 years or 30, um, something like that. And there's a, a, a video um, that's of the parents of the astronauts and their reaction at, you know, in real time as the shuttle explodes and how there's these two moms of astronauts who like, if you think about what they've just witnessed mm-hmm. and how they just, someone turns to say something to them and they, they smile at them and they, you can see her sort of catch, like obviously catch a saw, but she's still smiling and sort of pulls her coat tight and says, excuse me to try to get down off the, and I'm just thinking like any, anyone who has any doubt about the degree to which women can hold it together in the face of like catastrophic loss. Like it's so ingrained in us. Right. And, and that, and how, even in that moment, if she had done what she had every right to do, which would have been like melted down and screamed and, and grabbed the person next to her and said, what is happening? What is happening? people would have been uncomfortable with that. Right. Like there's, there's no scenario that allows us that, that, that frees us from the expectation mm-hmm. of poise. There really isn't, there's really no. True so scenario. interesting. And I'd like to think that, you know, that woman's generation, things are a little bit better, but I think you're yes. still right. Oh, I think, definitely. I think, you know, and we do watch those. I mean, it's like watching a car accident, you know, the watching people's reaction to real, you know, to really, horrible things and it is you know we do we when we see those women who are people in general who really break down it is like it does touch something in us that's uncomfortable like oh my god that's a lot of emotion but of course like that person has every right to do exactly that and feel that way but we're truly but we are we are trained um and like you said i do think it's getting better yeah um but i think that that um we all still fundamentally feel it yeah don't cry too loudly even at your you know your most beloved's funeral like it it really is sort of and and that was kind of a fundamental theme in this book is um you know, that the trick I'm trying to play is just how <laughs> bad can things get? And Nadine's yeah. still like, do you need more champagne? Right. Okay. Right. Right. At her party when this absolute chaos is happening around her in both in her head and right. externally. And it's the perfect position to put her in is the hostess, right? Because that's the person who has yes. to, there's yes. no yes. getting yes. away from the party. There's no pretending no. there's, you have to be on sort of the whole, whole time. So this is, this is my first, the first of your books I, that I have read and yes. I, I'll look forward to going back, but I'm curious about sort of the fan. It's like, there's, this is a sort of like domestic thriller, right? A lot yes. of, it's yes. all about yep. the family and, yep. and, the, and the, and the, you know, the small neighborhood and this, the peripheral people who are all, a lot of them friends, you know, um, they've known for a long time is this your is this kind of like what you know is this sort of the kind of things you like to explore in your novels yeah so the first three books that I wrote I think I have them here are were um like a a sort of what I would call like a linked series so they are um I got them all they are um well one is the UK version but you can see so the first was still mine Okay. Yeah. Still water. Yeah. Still here. This is the UK version, but you still, yes. still get the idea. Um, so 
I say like linked series, obviously you can tell by the titles, like they, yes, you know, there is, it's a one, two, three, but we, I wrote it and it was edited so that they could be read as standalones. Um, But they sort of have like the main character, her name is Claire. She is sort of investigating um, like definitely the domestic noir, but there is a more almost like procedural element okay. to those books. Um, is she an uh, investigator? Is the character? No, yeah. So she isn't, but she okay. sort of falls into that role right. in the first book. Like um, uh, she ends up looking, looking for someone who's missing. So she's not like, you know, I'm putting a sign on my door and now I'm a PI. It's not like that right. at all. She sort of falls into that role and ends up searching for um, a missing person, um, a missing woman. So, you know, I think a lot of the themes um, around uh, sort of domestic life and how that can go awry are sort of consistent. But when I finished the series and wanted to move on to working on standalones, um, I think there were certain things that I knew I was going to stick with, which is mm-hmm. like, um, you know, sort of female lead, uh, strong female lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I really like the unreliable, um, almost kind of like super flawed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think the, the thing with Nadine is I, re- I really like the fact that, that, we really get like she's because it's first person so we're getting her internal thoughts like she's really giving it to us yeah um, like no no filter right and you know I think that too like what we what we're what we think you know the same thing with poise where how you can have a smile on your face and be thinking like the most devastatingly absolutely ungenerous or mean thing about the person you're talking to right but it's a very I mean to me it's a very relatable character right because we've all been put in that situation where you literally are thinking I'd really like to kill you right now right but you're like you know you're you're doing it with you know because we like you said we've been trying to sort of maintain our poise and and you know I I started I mean I obviously I think there's for sure needing this flawed but I didn't find I didn't find her unlikable because I think that brutal honesty is so it's so fair and she's right you know she hits on the things that I think most of us have experienced at one time or another whether absolutely not not so violently but but definitely you know and, and and that's really like I think particularly with the domestic noir like the genre is just taking this sort of mundane elements of everyday mm-hmm. life and just like nudging them into like um that that thriller territory right, right. and and sometimes the stuff that we are dealing with you know if you think about um you know PTA meetings or right. parent teacher interviews or dealing with your neighbors and you just think like i mean we all read the newspaper or like yeah. people magazine we we all That's know right. how um how fast think relationships can go south or how totally. you know i think the other theme that carries through all of my books is how um you know we have like serial killer type murders and then we have the vast majority i think of crime which is committed by people who are who genuinely think that they're 
either they're either desperate or they're avenging something or they're protecting something or trying to get something, whatever it is. Like, it's not people who are like, I'm evil. Therefore I'm going to commit this crime. They feel justified in what they're doing and they don't see themselves as bad people. Um, Maybe they think they did a bad thing, but that I think that is where most criminality lies where it's in like, Oh, for sure. That difference between, okay, I'm going to do this to my neighbor because I want to protect my family. I want to protect my home. I'm mad at them for what they did to my tree, whatever it is. It's like, can be the most ridiculous things. Right. Um, but there's so much, like, it's just such a treasure trove when you think about those relationships, neighbors, friends, family, um, spouse, all of it. It's so true. It's so true. And And speaking of that sort of sense that, you know, there's so much going on. Nadine um, has a really good, com- a fun conversation with her husband, Paul, where she says, you know, um, I'm the one who holds everything together. I'm the one who fixes things when they fall apart. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know nothing about it. That's not me lying to you. That's a luxury I'm affording you. Mm-hmm. You were spared the grind in so many way- ways. That there's an entire ocean under the surface that you never have mm-hmm. to contend with. And it's funny. I actually took a picture of that and sent it to my husband. I was like, this, <laughs> th-, and he's like, it's so true. I mean, this is like that it is. totally. And that's actually nerve. like, I, I think, in these days there is sort of a lot more out there about that like they call it like what the emotional load right where it's like you the difference is you you might think that things are equal or or more equal than they are in part because you have no idea like right. if you're on, if you're unloading the dishwasher, I know you're unloading the dishwasher. So right. Exactly. Register that as something you did, but there's entire sort of, as, as I say, and I think that that's a pretty, you know, I, I feel pretty generally pretty lucky in my own marriage. Um, uh, but definitely we had that issue, you know, yeah. particularly when kids came along and, and now when, when, with, when there's a lot of emotional labor with the kids where you're trying to figure stuff out, um, that is it where it's like, just because you don't know you're, you're yeah. truly like, um, absolved of it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. And, and I think like, if I think about my friends and everybody, that is truly the most consistent issue, yeah. um, as, as we sort of gain this sense of equality in relationships where, you know, we're not in, most of us are not in the situation anymore where there's one like clear breadwinner, right? And you, you make dinner and come home and hand your spouse a drink. And right. That's not how it is anymore. But, but that emotional element hasn't um, evened up. And also I think because women are in general, like, no, obviously these are stereotypes, but um, more, the more emotional creature, when there's an emotional situation with a child, it tends to happen between the child and the mom, right? So I find like, if there's difficult things happening with my kids, they're more apt to come to me than to come to their dad, which in some ways I think is the ultimate compliment, right? And in other ways, I'm like, you don't want to talk to your dad about this. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to call dad? Cause dad might have some thoughts, you know, it's yes. just, it's a lot. It can be a lot, you know? So, well, and it's, and I think that, you know, I think like in, 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 so in my marriage, like my husband is very solution oriented and yes. that's a great way to be, but when they're, there are mass, especially these days, like with so many unknowns and there's, 
there are so many things out there where they're there kind of is no solution right and and no the, easy and one the, right the strategy is to learn to just um adjust to you know even if you think of something like covid like obviously you know it's it's sort of not no longer the having the same impact on our lives as it was three years ago but um but, you know, that's the thing where you're like, you and I, we can't solve this. We just have to help our kids navigate it. And it's right. a changed world. And it's how do you example. do that? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, instead of being like, well, you know, here are things I can do to fix it. Um, you know, and I think it's very noble to want to fix things. But sometimes that emotional load is kind of carrying the stuff that's too, it's like you said, there's no simple there's too, no too yeah complicated or there's too many different tentacles at play where you, there's not just one answer and right um it's very true yeah it's a i mean it's a it's a big job being a mom so it's really fun to read it was fun to read Nadine's story and it makes you know it, uh, her reactions made you know make sense um so tell us can you tell us what you're working on now uh, so yes, I am working on, I'm sort of dabbling a little bit in, um, sort of screenwriting, not related yeah. to my own books, just trying. Cause I think it's like, I really like writing dialogue and yeah. sort of a fun way to, uh, keep writing, um, without the pressures of starting a novel, but I have started, uh, super super preliminary i did actually um after i finished the last draft of of a death at the party which would have been like late summer mm -hmm. um i took some time off like i, I really kind of needed to sort of yeah, step away yeah. from um so i took basically the fall and even you know even when i'm taking time off like i'm always still like sure. hmm, i have an idea i'm gonna sit down and write this um so I, I, I'm working on uh, starting a novel now that's similar, you know, um, I wanted to lean into the kind of more romp element, like that's such a strange word to use, but, but a thriller that where, where you're trying to sort of take the reader for a ride. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and the dark stuff and, and lean into that kind of, some stuff is funny. You know, do you watch white Lotus on TV? I haven't, but I've heard great. Oh yeah. yeah. You have to watch it. So Got that's it. a perfect example of something that TV show is like super dark, Yeah, but, but you're laughing and sometimes yeah. you're laughing like uncomfortably at, yeah. at, you know, what, what's happening in the story. And so that's the kind of model. I think the dark humor um, while still staying very true to the thriller. Yeah. Um, so it's, I can't really talk about the plot because I'm not still working there, on it, but well, yeah, I mean, actually, but I'm ex sorry. Um, no, I just say I'm excited. Yeah. It's always fun. A new projects are intimidating and fun, also fun, but actually, you know, something we don't talk about enough, I, I think on the podcast is the idea that some, I mean, th this one a year, like it's just an impossible and pace and and you have to, you have to fill the well, you have to stop and fill the well. And if you don't, then, you know, you, then everything suffers, right? You have yeah, like, and I actually, like I've written, my pace is one every two years. Yeah. And I have no idea how you could go any faster than that. Yeah. Like I, I just, um, uh, couldn't do it. 
Uh, well, I certainly think partly not because of my kids. process, like, yeah. but also the way that I write, like I, I don't just, I think to be a one a year writer, you probably have to be like an outline, write a first draft, edit, you know, you have to have a very sort of rigorous process and I just can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someday I, I hope that a novel will pour out of me. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. I know. Right. We'll just, pl- like, just plug our brains in and let it all just put itself on the Someone computer. Said and that a writer like... said that to me once they were like, Oh, this one was actually pretty easy. It kind of just poured out of me. And I was like, that's like telling somebody that your labor was easy. <laughs> yeah. I know. You're like, Oh, I just news- pushed the baby out. Didn't even hurt. It's like, it's like, no yeah, you should probably say that. that and not share yeah. that with people. They're going to stop, stop liking you talking to you. <laughs> yeah. That it does sound appealing. And I do think um, there are certain books that I think happen faster, but your process is your process, right? And you, and if you speed it up, then you the work suffers. So the absolutely the right thing to do is to just let it take the time it takes. Yeah. So well, so tell everybody where they can find you. Um, yes. Social media and all that good stuff. Yep. So I would say I'm actually probably these days most active on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is Amy Stewart Writer Stewart with a U. Um, but if you go to my website, which is AmyStewart.ca. Um, I have everything there links yes. to pre-order in the U S and Canada. Um, all my sort of social handles, everything is there and I'm trying to sort of keep it updated with, um, you know, like when, when the podcast comes out and I'll yes, sure people yes, know where, well, to find you. where to find you. Well, um, a death in the family and this is our U S version, which comes out the 7th of March. Yeah, so, so Canada, U.S. and same Canada. cover, same, same it's beautiful. cover, same. Yeah, yeah. I love the cover. I know you too. So the cover perfect. has like roses on it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, um, or peonies, so they're probably peonies. peonies. Yeah, they're peonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it'll be out March seventh, which is like in three weeks. I know. Wild. And I, I think know. our, I think actually, if people are listening to us. I think it's 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 very it's March second right now. The the or maybe oh, March seventh. It's coming out okay. right before right around. around so when people i should know this, this because be. i you know i keep the schedule but at any rate it's i can i'm just gonna check 314 so it's coming out a week so, okay after. so by the time this is airing it'll be out it's out go grab your copy of a death yes. the party and yes. check out amy stewart's as she said stewart s-t-u-a-r-t um online and you know i have to tell you i 14 years in a row well see i think 14 years in a row i went to toronto film festival Oh, um, with actually I'm staying, I'm on a little sabbatical in California because Montana is very cold this time of year. So I've been to the film festival and we have the last three years we have not gone, but we're, we're coming back this year. It's, oh, amazing. it's so fun. It's She's an author too. And we just love, yes. yeah, we love it. We eat a, a lot of Indian food because that's my favorite and you can't get a yes. lot. You can't, there is a place now in Bose in Montana, but not. No, um, we have Toronto is really the known best Indian food, the best yeah. Indian food. And it's always fun to see the movies and, you know, catch sight of somebody famous walking down the street or whatever. Yes. So it's, it's fun. I really love it. And I it love Toronto. Fun. It's a beautiful city. So thank you. I don't know if I can. Well, hopefully we'll that, see you but... <laughs> live at a conference sometime. Um, yes, I would love that. Okay. And thank you well, so listen, much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This was Amy Stewart with her book, A Death at the Party. Join us for the next Killer Woman coming soon. Bye. Bye.